0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game in Consumer Industries, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in a digital world, to run, grow, connect, and transform, to engage customers and patients across their journey. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, the best of the game changers, you are in the right place. Let's see what the buzz is. I have a quote from an article in BusinessInsider.com. Listen up, and this will set the tone for the show. Warren Buffett just confirmed the death of retail as we know it. Just let that sink in for a minute. So, Heads up retailers, recent headlines like this one about, quote unquote, the death of brick and mortar are spreading fear about how artificial intelligence and you know who's coming down the pike, aggressive new digital marketplaces, they are encroaching on your territory, darn it. They are disrupting traditional retailers' livelihoods. Are you a traditional retailer? Do you still have traditional retail in your blood? Maybe you hanker for the old days. Well, what's up with all of this? We have three experts today on our panel. They come from premier fashion and retail companies across a range of industries. They're going to help us sort through, I'm using a retail uh, metaphor here, the racks, excuse me, of rumor, of fluff, of myth, help us set the record straight on what's really, really happening in retail. And they have insights on what the future of customer engagement will look like. That's what it all boils down to. So we're calling this episode Retail Reality Check. Secrets to engaging customers. And that means you'll want to listen up for the whole hour because you don't want to miss this stuff. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome and a shout out to, uh, let's see, Jurg Custers at SAP put together this wonderful panel for our show today on changing the game in consumer industries radio. Let me tell you who my panelists are before we speak with them and then we will start with their opening quotes. First up, in a moment, it will be my pleasure to introduce John McCoy, Global Director at SAP Hybris Advisors. And it's important where he came from in the retail world. This is part of why he's on the panel. He's formerly with a sports authority. We'll leave that one alone. April Tomlin is joining us. She's a commerce advisor also currently at SAP Hybris. She's formerly with a company called eBags, E-B-A-G-S dot And rounding out the panel is their colleague at SAP Hybris, Tom Otten. He's also a commerce advisor like April is, and he's formerly of Walmart e-commerce. So it's very important that we know their background. So let's go back around the table to Mr. John McCoy. And John has sent us a quote from Heraclitus of Ephesus, circa 535 to 475 BC. They counted from the big numbers back to the small numbers in those days. A pre-Socratic Greek philosopher known as the obscure, known as the dark philosopher, and also, John, known as the weeping philosopher. I just discovered that one. And here is the quote. And I'm going to speak in, I guess, Greek. Panta re, everything flows. Change alone is unchanging, or simply put, change is the only constant. John McCoy, welcome. How are you?
2: I am doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: We are delighted. This is such, it's an exciting topic and maybe a sad and scary topic, John, because when you think of retail as we know it, as we used to know it, as we think we still know it, as our expectations are, customers' expectations and challenges to the retailer have changed. But talk to me about the word change, this wonderful, did I say it right, Panta Ray, everything flows, Correct.
2: I think so. I'm, you know, apparently I discovered through the, you know, Twenty One and Me or whatever that I am a little Greek, but I don't speak the language. So your pronunciation is as mm-hmm. good as mine.
1: Thank you very much. So talk to me about why you picked this quote for our show today, John. Go ahead.
2: Well, it's just a, you know, I, I love the quote, and I think it speaks to, you know, my own philosophies in general in life. Uh, it's actually funny, and in, in thinking about what quote to use for this show. Um, I was looking at a coat a that my wife had bought for me for this very purpose. And on the back is printed this particular quote. And I didn't realize it had come through this whole channel and, and, and what have you and, and the, the roots, I guess, of the quote itself. But as it relates to retail and looking at what's happening there, there's no question that there's some serious evolutionary type of, of changes that are taking place. And and when I look to what's happening from this AI and all of the excitement that's around machine learning you know, and, and artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. that is definitely driving some of the change. But I think where my sticking points are with AI, I often get criticized for uh, being negative with respect to AI. It's not that I don't like AI or I don't think that it has value or importance in modern retail and direct-to-consumer channels today, it's just that I think the focusing on AI is wrong and that it really only constitutes a small percentage of where I think the growth is ultimately going to come from in retail, and that mm-hmm. too often executives are focusing on those shiny objects in the latest and greatest technology yeah. as opposed to focusing on the core of why they are in business today and what got them in business in the first place. So my frustrations are around AI becoming this um, quote-unquote savior or new path to revenue and to profitability and or just survival, as opposed to focusing on what really matters and will ultimately drive growth uh, within direct-to-consumer channels today. So that's one of the, the subjects that I find um, uh, and I'm passionate about, is, is where retailers should be focusing now in order to survive um, mm-hmm. and prove Mr. Warren Buffett wrong,
1: there you go. And quick question for you, John. Does it really come down to people-to-people, to, people, to a service ethic, to understanding a what the customer wants, what you think they want, what you know they want that they don't know they want yet? We've heard that one from Steve Jobs, I think, in the early days of Apple. Is that what it comes down to, is it's really all about people? Is that, that the core? Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, I think it, it, to a certain extent, yes. Um, I think that the customer is driving a lot of the change and retail is struggling to keep up with what their expectations are and trying to meet those. Um, however, I think the concepts around what what customers do want can be somewhat misconstrued. It's not that I, I necessarily want you to tell me what I want or what I think I want to mm-hmm. somehow predict that. Um, oftentimes, it's the actual pathway to purchase that I think AI can ultimately influence, and where I stand to benefit from some of those predictive technologies, but as a whole, it's the experience still at the end of the day. Um, We've ran some interesting um, both tests and proven out some of those tests when it comes down to um, how to make connections with customers. And again, this is where I get criticized on the AI side. It's not just about the technology and the predictive nature. It's about how we connect with the customers and how we relate, which is, again, I think part of my big beef, if you want to call it that, with AI, is that there's still this very strong need as humans to connect with one another. Um, That isn't Mm -hmm. a baby boomer thing. I'm a millennial, so... You know, I know we get a lot of bad rap for this, but um, as a millennial, I still want to be able to uh, connect with uh, brands, retail, what have you, um, in order to drive positive experiences and then future repeat business with that brand. It's about saving time. It's about um, making those connections. It's about getting the most value out of my time, which does boil down to me getting what I want when I want it, but it's not necessarily a machine that's going to get me there. It'll help. But that's not the Mm -hmm. core of what I'm looking for as a consumer.
1: Thank you John, good intro to our topic and if you're just tuning in our topic is Retail Reality Check secrets to engaging customers and we're going to talk a little bit about AI artificial intelligence and other new technologies that may or may not help you as a retailer. If you're a retailer, we hope you'll stay for the whole show. If you're just a consumer, well we all are, you're going to find this interesting as well. Let me introduce my second guest April Tomlin, Commerce Advisor at SAP Hybris formerly of ebags.com and April has sent us a quote a lovely quote I adore this one. From Mo Willems, W-I-L-L-E-M-S, from his book, Goldilocks and the Three Dinosaurs. Let me give a little background. Uh, Mo started being interested in cartoon art when he was only three or four years old. He drew his own characters. He spent a year traveling around the world drawing a cartoon every single day, all of which he published in the book, You Can Never Find a Rickshaw When It Monsoons. I love that. He went to New York and started writing and animating for Sesame Street, he won six Emmy Awards from 1993 to 2002. He performed stand-up in New York. He recorded essays for BBC Radio. He did promos for Nickelodeon. And the most important thing is that he now writes children's books. He works from home. He's a family guy. But three of his books have been awarded a Caldecott Honor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He's quite a force in cartooning and in children's books. So I'm thrilled to read the following quote from Mo Willems. If you ever find yourself in the wrong story leave. April Tomlin, where in the world did you find this beautiful quote? Welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, You know, I actually came across this quote um, on Pinterest, which is probably not super shocking to those out there who use Pinterest and use it as a way to kind of collect thoughts and ideas. Um, And the quote, Immediately spoke to me because this is, um, it's honestly a, a way that I live my life. And you can kind of take that a couple of different ways. Um, and, and the way that, the way that I live this quote is not that I'm a quitter, right? Um, but I believe that there are so many things in our lives that we have the opportunity to change, um, mm-hmm. and, um, to, to some degree control, but we have to take those steps to, to make those changes and, um, and follow the path to where we want to end up, right? And and that's where I believe this quote really um, again speaks to me. Um, and, and in regards to this specific um, segment, I think that a lot of retailers are really finding themselves right now in the wrong story, right? And mm-hmm. and and that's why it's so impactful is they have um, you know other people are taking their businesses, other people are taking their customers, and it's no longer a time to, to sit back and, and let that happen, right? We have control to, to make those changes. And instead of being drug into the digital age um, and drug into a place where, where customers are deciding how their businesses should be run, um, they should be moving towards those, that path in a, in a really rapid pace in order to be able to, to end their stories in a good place instead of, instead of having a sad ending,
1: Thank you very much. Do you, April? Do you agree with that Warren Buffett quote? The uh, retail as we know it, it, the death of retail as we know it. Do you think that the, the story is just all wrong? Retail is as we know it, meaning typically brick and mortar, where you walk into a store. Is that dead? Are our malls going to close up all over, all over the world? How bad is it? What do you think? How bad is the story right now? <laughs> um, you know, the story is right now super challenging. I'm not going to lie about that.
3: But what I will say is that you know malls are closing because there are too many malls right uh, people expanded stores into areas that that you know there's just too much happening so so things are consolidating and we should expect for that to continue but retail is Um, the smart retailers out there are being forced to reinvent themselves. And again, they're doing this in really exciting ways. Um, You know, traditional retailers are out there acquiring technology, um, brands and things that are going to push them forward and, and really deliver that optimal experience to their customers. And that's really where everything's headed right now, right? There, it's going to be survival of the fittest, right? The, the retailers that are out there and embracing the future are going to survive and live to tell another tale. And the retailers out there that, um, that, are, that feel like they can continue to run their business the way that they always have, they're not going to be around in 10 years. It's just a fact. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing, right? I think it, it is what it is. So I don't think it's dead. I think um, I'm excited to see what the future holds. I'm really excited to see um, the, all of the great things that, that retailers are going to bring into the mix because I think they're really starting to wrap their minds around how important it is to embrace technology, embrace the future, and embrace customer-led retail, which is what it's all about, right? Driving experiences and not trying to sell people products. Um, at the end of the day that's that's what's most most important
1: you got it you nailed it thank you very much April and again thank you for the beautiful quote I sh- should have known you found it on Pinterest it's just lovely as I tell my panelists <laughs> when they bring me very special quotes I want to crochet it on the side of a pillow or, or make it and frame it and write it in chalk on a sidewalk and make sure nobody steps on it. it's just beautiful yeah. thank you so much and now let's thank turn you. to our third pa- Oh, my pleasure and thank you uh, Tom Otten our third panelist also a commerce advisor at SAP Hybris formerly of Walmart e-commerce and we will go Around the table in a moment and ask you about your previous retail experiences. Thomas picked a quote from one of the most famous and most beloved movies of all time, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, a 1986 American teen comedy film written, co-produced, and directed by John Hughes. It stars Matthew Broderick. Come on, most of you either saw it originally like I did in the late 80s or you heard about it somewhere or you saw it on demand. Uh, He starred as Ferris Bueller, a high school slacker. Uh Uh-huh who spends a day off from school and he regularly breaks what we call, what they call in theater and movies, the fourth wall, speaking to the audience to explain techniques and inner thoughts about how he gets away so often with playing hooky. He calls in sick, he borrows a Ferrari, and he has a one-day journey through the streets of Chicago. Interestingly enough, this was The director, the writer, uh, yes, this was his love letter, basically, to the city of Chicago. The film was selected for preservation, Tom, I don't know if you know this, preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Commerce. Commerce in 2014 because it is, quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. What do you think of that? Here's the quote, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Tom Otten, love this quote as well. I'm not sure where we'll crochet it, but it's a little long. How are you, Tom?
4: Great. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Pleasure, pleasure. Talk to me. So how does this relate to our topic of retail? It moves pretty fast. Yes, indeed, it does. Give me it in your own words.
4: Yeah, so I really love this quote. Um, ever since I watched the movie when I was younger, um, I always kind of resonated with this quote because I, I believe life does move extremely fast and there's change that's, um, going back to kind of John's quote, there's change that's constantly happening. And as that change constantly happens, it's important to take a step back, look around, realize what change is happening and how you fit within that change. So I I think it's extremely important as all of this change continues to happen, especially around um, the emergence of Amazon and all of the customer expectations that that has brought with it, that different retail organizations and businesses take a step back, look at all the change that's happening around them, and re-strategize for the future. So um, I feel like organizations can some, sometimes become inundated in their strategy and um, get stuck in the old ways and do things the way that they've always done it. Um, and mm-hmm. that obviously leads to problems later down the road and becoming stagnant and um, growth stagnating or um, sometimes declining. So I think it's important that retail organizations take a step back, ensure that they're on the right path, look at what's going on around them um, in life, and make the appropriate decisions to drive their business forward in order to meet the customer expectations and continue to rise with the rising bar that those customer expectations are bringing.
1: Thank you very much, Tom. What do you think about the quote in Business Insider that I opened the show with from Warren Buffett, the death of retail as we know it? Is it that dire, Tom? Is it that close? Are we always going to have the walk-in store and hope for the best experience crossing our fingers and having a sigh before we go in and hopefully a smile when we come out? What's your thought? How bad is it?
4: Yeah, um, I I actually... uh just to start, I'm, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, so I'm a big Warren Buffett fan and actually follow a lot of, of what he says and um, mm-hmm. put a high amount of respect into everything he says because I think he's a brilliant man, obviously, and has made a great career for himself. But this is one where I feel like he's um, kind of exaggerated, something that I've been criticized for in my past is exaggerating a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, I I feel like this is uh, a little bit exaggerated. Yes, retail is changing um, as April pointed out, some organizations are, are most likely going to go away, uh, but those organizations aren't changing with the change of customer expectations. Retail is a—it's um, an industry where what the customer expects and the customer experience associated with the actual business itself is extremely, extremely important. And as that emphasis continues to be put on the customer experience, those who don't have a customer experience that's up to par or they're not adjusting their current business model to Mm -hmm. um, meet the rising expectations, those organizations may fall away. But that doesn't mean it's the death of an entire industry. That doesn't mean retail is going away um, as an industry whole. It just means that the the industry is changing and organizations who are able to innovate and um, continue to improve their customer experience and set new customer expectations for the customer are the organizations that are going to be able to stick it out for the long run and continue to make an impact in, um, in, in an industry that I feel is honestly necessary. Um, people are always going to need to purchase products. They're always going to need to, um, work with businesses to understand what products they actually want or, um, get suggestions of how they find the, the right product for them. And that's where the retail industry continues to play a huge part. It's just how that retail industry adjusts and changes with the way the customer wants to shop and wants to actually purchase those products.
1: Thank you very much, Tom. Very good insights. By the way, Warren Buffett did pull out a $900 million investment in a major retailer whose name starts with W and invested <laughs> instead. Last year, after this quote, he invested in the airline industry instead. But he's been yep. known to pivot and move around, and he is brilliant. And I don't know how many people followed him on that one, but he made a point, and he, and he made you know money talks of vote with your wallet and all of that good stuff. Thank you very much, Tom. Let's go around the table just briefly and talk about your previous... Alignments with retail. In my opening, I said you were three experts from premier fashion and retail companies in various industries, and I want to prove that I was very honest and accurate to our audience around the world. So let's just do a minute and a half or so. Each of you, John McCoy, formerly a sports authority, just a, an overview of what you did there and, and or what happened, John.
2: Yeah, yeah, you bet. Um, so uh, yeah, prior to joining SAP. A little over a year and a half or so ago, I um, was part of the leadership team at Sports Authority for e-commerce. So it was, uh, you know, a couple hundred million dollar PNL that that um, I was accountable to and led um, as part of the you know the two point seven billion dollar organization as a whole. So we were growing that particular channel over fifty percent year over year. In fact, one of the fastest growing sporting goods. Uh, Uh, retailers from an online perspective um, in the country while brick and mortar was dying. So it was a very interesting experience as a whole. Before that, I joined a company that had come out of uh, bankruptcy just on the heels of that, actually. Uh, It was part of the team that was leading innovation and change, changing business models, launching their e-commerce business. So I went from that environment of growing uh, an e-commerce business and a business as a whole, into the sports authority environment, which again oddly enough e commerce was growing, but brick and mortar could not keep pace, so that was down mm-hmm. uh, significantly and ultimately at eight to ten percent of sales, which is what e commerce was, um, it was not enough to save the company so it was uh it was a horrific uh, but beautiful experience, I would say I learned a ton mm-hmm. from it, and I'm very grateful for it now. But it was not a fun experience to go through at the time, so, uh, yeah. but, but came out uh, swinging, working for SAP, and have uh, really enjoyed my time here working with other retailers and direct-to-consumer companies to try and help them um, recognize where they need to change, see the red flags, leveraging that yes. experience and, and how to help them sort through it.
1: Very well put. I'm sure they're appreciative of your experience and your insights. April Tomlin, formerly of eBags.com. What is that? What What did you do there, and what is that company all about, April?
3: Sure, of course. So um, eBags.com is a multi-brand travel goods retailer. So um, eBags hosts about 900 different brands um, on the site. Any you know anything you can think of from luggage. To backpacks, um, you know, brands Patagonia to Toomey, you know, very wide range of, of products. Anything that you can actually think of to travel with. Um, and there, I had a number of roles. Most recently, director of merchandising. Um, and I I actually had a pretty interesting history at Evag. dot com. And um, I I was what what they called a boomerang. So <laughs> so I actually <laughs> left Evag. dot com. Um, When the business had stagnated, right, something that a lot of businesses and and retailers are going through um, right now, Um, the strategy had stagnated. We we weren't doing anything interesting or new, and I just thought to myself, you know, there's got to be something else out there for me. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, eventually eBags brought in a new CEO and, um, I had one conversation with him and decided, yes, I, you know, I believe in this vision and we can do this. So, mm.
1: um,
3: I went back to eBags.com because of that renewed vision and strategy. And, um, we really took the business from, from no growth to, um, you know, over 30% growth pretty quickly. Um, mm. And did that through a number of different things. And really, we reinvented the brand by bringing on apparel and footwear and launching, you know, 20,000 more SKUs and really developing a lot of those brand relationships that make, you know, that type of growth possible. So it was a really great story. And, you know, uh, eBags ended up being acquired by um, another organization. Again, Something that I had referred to earlier, where where um, you know even brands are out there acquiring technology um, to to bring them into the future. And so um, after that, you know, focused on profit, and that's also something else that that retailers are are working through right now. Um, and it's super challenging, but it's it's completely possible as long as you're. Um, strategy is aligned with, with where you want to go and you're dead set on getting there um, and you have the right talent to make it happen. So um, that is, that's that's um, my history at eBags.com.
1: Thank you, April. And I'm looking at your wonderful PR photo you sent me. You've got your hands <laughs> under your chin. I just hit my mic. I'm sorry. And you've got this wonderful <laughs> black, like a, a hat with a flat brim Framing your face, and I went to ebags.com, and on the home page there's a uh, young lady holding up some some kind of looks like packing equipment bags, and she's got virtually the same hat you're wearing, and it's just lovely. Thing. <laughs> <And you must laughs> I don't know if you that know that, but me. when I you get off the radio, back. you. You can go look, you can go look. And uh, Tom Otten, <laughs> let's find out a little bit about you. Uh Walmart e commerce. What was your what was your experience there? And by the way, we are skipping the break because we've got too much to talk about. So we'll go around the table after Tom and ask where you're calling from and what's in your cup today, and then we'll go right into the round table. So Tom, tell me a little bit about your history in retail, please.
4: Yes. Yeah, so um Really, my entire career has been focused around analytics and insights, Uh, most recently running an analytics and insights team for Walmart Global E-Commerce. And really the way I see analytics is not only surfacing um, data and numbers that can help different businesses continue to drive their strategy forward, but also providing those high-level insights and being um, an integral part of that strategy as well. So that's really what I focused on. my time on doing um, throughout my career is not only setting up the reporting environment and helping business decision makers get um, better insights into those those different the, those different analytics that are driven from the data but also how do I work closely with them to continue to um, to continue to improve the strategic vision and analyze that vision along the way to ensure that we 're continuing along the right path so Most recently, working with Walmart Global E-Commerce, came in and started with their Marketplace organization in 2016. Um, I actually came the same exact month that Jet.com was acquired, so rapid, Mm -hmm. rapid change. um, Large organizational um, structure change as well. So the the entire organization flipped, and I, I was no longer just responsible for Marketplace, but... Um, They created this entire organization called Partner Services, where we're focused on not just the marketplace, but also the the dropship vendors as well. So working with that entire partner group to continue to improve their financial performance and increase sales and and drive additional revenue, not only for Walmart, but for those partners as well, as well as ensuring that the customer experience was the best-in-class customer experience that customers were expecting when coming on Walmart.com. They didn't care whether they purchased it from a marketplace seller, from a dropship vendor, or from Walmart themselves. They saw Walmart's name next to it and expected that they got that best-in-class customer experience. So really focused on ensuring that the partner network was able to deliver on that, those customer expectations, as well as focusing on um, developing strategic initiatives, programs, and products that helped us drive the revenue growth of those two channels as well.
1: Thank you very much, Tom. Good to get to know all of you. And now let's do the little deeper dive into getting to know you. This is called What's in Your Cup Today. We do this on all of our game changer shows. So, John McCoy, where are you calling from today? And just briefly, what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world, even if it's not in front of you and even if it has a little zing or a kick to it that you wouldn't be drinking when you're on the radio with me in the morning? So, go ahead, John. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about you. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you bet. I am in the beautiful state of Colorado, um, just about 45 minutes south of Denver. And uh, for me, I'm a bit of an outdoor fitness junkie. So I would be lost in the mornings without my pre-workout drink. Um, so I, and it is my favorite drink because of probably the amount of caffeine that's in there, as well as some of the other supplements that that, that kind of get me Get me up in the morning, um, and moving. So I do a lot of, um, what I call, um, kind of primitive or without, uh, much of anything and, uh, build shelters, build my own fires, catch and find my own food. And I go on these 30 to 50 mile treks at a time. Um, with the exception of my pre-workout, um, most of everything that I'm forging and finding is out there in the wild. So that's, that's, that's me i I love doing those kinds of things and i would again be lost without my pre-workout that i've tried them all too by the way if you want any recommendations on on some good ones uh feel free to 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 hit me up on twitter because i have very strong opinions about the strength of and the variety of those drinks that's me Okay,
1: there you go and can i give out may i give out your twitter handle so people can find you is that okay
2: Absolutely.
1: Yep. Okay. M C C O Y, his last name, V E R, McCoy Ver, M C C O Y V E R, and put little at sign in front of that, and you can find him on Twitter and ask him about drinks. There you go. Thank you very much. And now let's move to Ms. April Tomlin. Where are you today? And what do you love to drink the best that keeps you and your hat happy? I love hats, April. Sorry. Go ahead.
3: So, um, of course, I'm, not, I'm actually in Denver, Colorado. I uh, love this state, has, has been, was born and has grown up here. It's beautiful. As far as what's in my cup, um, I would say that if it weren't uh, 8.30 in the morning and I was not in Colorado, I would be drinking red sangria. Um, it is a awesome, um, but it reminds me of traveling to beautiful, sunny places um, that actually can make sangria really well, right? So uh, Mexico and Spain and the like, um, it just, you know, it, I love traveling. It's part of who I am. Um, and so that drink specifically, it reminds me of sunshine and it reminds me of, of traveling. And um, I just absolutely love it. And I will tell you, if anybody else is from Colorado out there, mm-hmm. like we can't make sangria at all in Colorado. Like, don't even try. If you go to a restaurant, like, don't even bother. It's, <laughs> it's not worth it. So uh, spend your spend your money on beer, because that that is actually something that we do quite well here in Colorado.
1: Oh, that is funny. That's like they say you can't get a good bagel outside of New York. And I'm from New York, and I know what good bagels are. And, you know, yeah, there are places... Yeah. April, there are places in Florida that import water from New York because they say the water is the secret because the bagel dough has to be boiled in water before you bake it. So I've heard there are people I've who heard actually that. have, yeah, New York water shipped down to Florida so they can say they have authentic <laughs> New York, yeah, right, yeah, right, you're yeah, right. Okay, Tom Otten, tell me about where you are today and what do you love to drink?
4: Yeah, so I'm actually in the Bay Area in California, so um, just north of San Jose, um, kind of by Levi's Stadium, where the uh, San Francisco 49ers play. Um, In my cup this morning, I have a peach mango kombucha, um, Mm. and kombucha was something that I um, I first experienced when I came out to California. It's a big drink out here. Um, and I believe the the probiotic cultures um, i don 't know if it 's just a placebo effect, but it has significantly improved my gut health so i 'm um, somebody who has acid reflux disease and i 've struggled with kind of gut health my entire life so kombucha has been kind of a savior for me um, it 's able to get me up and going in the morning without significant heartburn and i 'm um, able to to really hit the ground running um, because of these drinks that that I was able to discover while out here so um, love my kombucha, the Master Brews um, are, are really, really good and um, really enjoy the, the synergy trilogy as well.
1: Very interesting. I'm glad you're feeling better. I never never thought about that for that. I'll have to take a look at that. Very interesting. Yes, I keep a bottle of Tums in the cabinet in my kitchen. What can <laughs> I tell you, Tom? It's a very local thing. Oh, uh, Okay, I'm here in Durham, North Carolina, recently relocated from New York after 35 years living on Long Island a couple of miles from where I grew up in Douglaston, New York. And they do not let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days And I think, John, April, and have already figured out why, so I have a cool clear (laughs) mug with cool clear water and I've got a yellow straw because yes, it's sort of sunny here, mostly blue sky. I I woke up and it was in the 70s today. Yesterday it was at 37 degrees. We have a temperature range that can go 30 to 40 degrees in one day. I love asking Alexa in the morning what the temperature is and hearing the what about how cold it is, how hot it's going to be and what it's going to do the next day. So anyway, that's what I do and we're here on Game Changers Radio talking about consumer industries we are skipping the break because we are so deep into the topic already there's just no point in taking the break so john mccoy let's see if we can cover a topic from the list you sent me before the show and let's see where we're going to go here um let's see let's see let's see Uh, let's talk about uh, do you want to talk about the forbes predicting the future of retail john i'm going to give you an option here or chatbots versus machines versus humans man versus machine would you like to tell your baseball locker room story
2: Sure. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So, they're all kind of interrelated. So, it'll all it'll all flow together. Yep. Um, you know, we do hear a lot about chatbots, and I think they're great from an overall operational scalability perspective. Answering some of the more mundane questions, freeing up our customer service reps in chat to do hopefully more high value things. And and this particular story was around um, again, Sports Authority. Um, we were we didn't have an online chat feature. We were looking to procure one. We partnered with a great company out of Chicago uh, because of the concept around leveraging experts and not just uh, you know, a, a generalist from a chat perspective. So obviously, sporting goods was what we did, and we looked at some of our key categories, and we decided to go through starting with baseball and rounding out through the various sports. And this company we partnered with hired uh, collegiate athletes and high school athletes and coaches uh, for baseball. And what was great about it is that you could go onto the baseball section of the site, click on some of those uh, different subjects, and then you would get this chat window would pop up. You could select the expert. So if it was a coach you wanted to talk to or uh, an athlete in, in the different positions they played on the field and what have you, you could do this. And what was amazing about it, not just the fact that our conversion rate, which was a respectable 1.74% at Sports Authority on average, went from that to a 30% conversion rate or above when they interacted with these experts through chat, but were some of the stories. My favorite connection that took place was when a mother uh, chatted in and she was looking for a particular product and she began a conversation and had this amazing connection with our expert to where she um, shared that her son had just made the high school team and was a few weeks in and already had wanted to quit. And he Mm -hmm. wanted to quit because of the awkwardness and uncomfortable um, nature of the the boys' locker room, right, Um, before Mm -hmm. and after games and some of the different things that took place there. And she was concerned because he had loved baseball and loved baseball deeply but was considering quitting and putting it all behind him. And what our expert was able to do was to connect and say, hey, I remember what that was like. I remember how hard that was at first and how uncomfortable I was for, you know, all of the reasons that you could imagine. And in this conversation, he was able to share with her some different things that had helped him to get through it because of the passion that he had for baseball. This conversation on chat ended up going like a 30-minute long conversation which: We were absolutely fine with, and we, we got the transcript, and it was almost emotional reading through it, as you could see this mom pouring out her heart and soul to this, uh, this quote-unquote, "stranger but expert," and him doing the same. And, and in that 30 minutes, we gained a customer and a level of loyalty that you could never get through AI, that you could never get with a chatbot. And that's where, I think that comments that I made earlier in the call Um, really make an impact. If you want to differentiate, if you want to build loyalty, you know, it's got to be more than transactions and points and servicing the customer in a traditional sense. You need to do something above and beyond. And those emotional connections like that one uh, were why that particular program, in in just a, a year of running on that program, even under a year, was generating tens of millions of dollars for us in attributable revenue. So that's... That's, I think, that's the baseball story, Um, Bonnie, and I think that those are the kinds of things that retailers will need to look to in order to survive, that the wins aren't going to come from AI, the wins are going to come from being able to connect with consumers uh, like we did in that scenario.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. I love the story; it it touches the heart in so many levels. Thank you, John. You know what I'm going to do? Rather than having the other panelists comment, in the interest of time, I'm going to move on to a topic from April Tomlin's list. April, I'm going to read two statements here, and I'd like you to talk about. We're, we're talking about the future of retail here. Uh, you say uh, brick and mortar retailers on the brink. 26 major retailers with over 50 million dollars in debt filed for bankruptcy last year, according to Alex Partners. And then you go on to say the future of Pure Play Retail. It's reported that Wayfair, I have used them online, is opening their first showroom, meaning brick and mortar, in Back Bay, Boston. So April, give us your comments on these two, please, and then we'll go around and have Tom and John add some flavor to that as well.
3: Sure, absolutely. So um, starting with the first comment about retailers on the brink, right, and, and you just stated a, a fact, um, and, and last year, that that number actually surpassed the number of retailers with that amount of debt that filed in 2008 when the economy crashed, right? So, last year was a really big year, and that's why you keep hearing about the retail apocalypse and and all of those different things, again, but... Um, you know, retailers have have the opportunity to move forward, right? And they have to reinvent themselves in order to do that. That brings me to to the Wayfair comment, where you know the game is changing, and um, to think that pure play retailers are just going to stay in the e-commerce space and not begin to expand in in brick and mortar that would that would be silly to to think that, right? So. Um, I'm shocked that, that Wayfair
1: actually didn't do this sooner. And my guess is, right? It, why? It's why? 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 Why are you afraid? Why are you shocked they didn't do it sooner? I have to stop you on that one. Well, why, April? <laughs> yeah, well, no so, um, I mean, they—they're super inventive. They have—they have quite a bit of cash, um,
3: and the majority of people know who they are out there. A lot of people shop on Wayfair. I love Wayfair honestly, and I'm a huge home shopper. I just recently bought a house, you know, three years ago. And the majority of shopping that I do is for my house. And I'll tell you that Mm -hmm. if there was a Wayfair down the street from me, I would certainly go shop there. Um, But I don't shop at home goods stores in person for for the most part. Um, They've got a ton of technology out there. They're, They're doing a lot of really cool things. They have a lot of vendor relationships. Um, so the assortment that they could offer, along with the technology that they bring to the table, I think is really impactful. Um, and I would expect for that 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 trend to continue, right? Um, as as uh, as there's going to be more openings in brick and mortar, right? Some some people are filing. There's going to be the opportunity for some of these pure play e-commerce guys to come in and and grab that space, and begin to um, really excite customers with the types of things that they're doing, right? Wayfair has this really cool augmented reality where you can go in and envision, you know, a piece of furniture in your living room. Imagine mm-hmm. actually walking into a store where that technology is, is right there and you can, you can see it, right? And that, that is the future. That's the type of thing that will get customers to get excited to come into your store. Um, so, you know, I differ from, from John a little bit in, in the way that I don't, you know, I'm not 100% bought in on, on all things AI, but I do think mm-hmm. that there's an opportunity to really um, deliver an experience with technology that, that will differentiate you from, from some of your competitors out there.
1: Thank you. Very interesting. It's, it's a question of uh, keeping, up, keeping up with the Joneses slash retailers and who's got the tricks and the, and the techniques and the, the showy stuff in the showroom and can keep the customer coming back before that becomes, no pun intended, April old hat. We'll move on to Tom. Yeah. Otten. Tom, Tom comments on, on what April just shared with us briefly. What do you think?
4: Yeah, no, I I mean, I somewhat agree. I I think a lot of these pure play e-commerce retailers are continuing to um, investigate the idea of opening at least a flagship store. I've seen, um, especially in the sporting goods industry, flagship Mm -hmm. stores being introduced um, where there weren't large store footprints before and are rather um, going towards large flagship stores in in the New York area and introducing some of this um, next-level technology that will change the way customers shop um, through brick and mortar. So introducing things like, um, for example, in one of the flagship stores that was introduced for uh, Under Armour in New York, they're going to be putting in treadmills that are able to um, track your gait so that you can purchase the right shoe. They're also going to um, have – Somewhat of an indoor um, baseball field in their flagship store as well, to where they'll be able to, um, you know, try out bats or you know catch fly balls in uh, with a sp- specific glove or whatever it may be. So, um, continuing to innovate around the in-store experience, I think is extremely important for brick and mortar because there is still that customer experience aspect where some customers are going to want to go see the product in person, touch it, feel it, try it on. Um, see how it works rather than going through the the customer experience of purchasing from an e-commerce site and then going through and returning if they if something doesn't fit well or if they don't like it and um, I think again, that's where I I'd somewhat agree with April where augmented reality and using AI to you know, be able to try on a pair of glasses or something online before you actually purchase it mm-hmm. and even using that functionality in store for choices that aren't necessarily in the, the actual stores themselves is going to mm-hmm. help drive the customer experience um, or help drive businesses forward through an improved customer experience.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, Tom. John, we just have a moment or two for you to comment, and then I just want to have one more one more topic from Tom's list before we lurch into the predictions round. So, John McCoy, what do you think?
0: Um,
2: I don't think that uh, – look, I, I think that the whole component around pure plays opening brick-and-mortar is very interesting. I don't think mm-hmm. that the flagship store is the main driver um, – Of that, personally, I think that it's the expansion of their ability to fulfill and fulfill well. If we look at what, uh, particularly furniture, um, home goods, I would say, especially in pure play or even just delivery to home, that last mile component of fulfillment is pretty broken. And um, there's a huge uh, return rate. A double-digit return rate for a lot of the retailers that are um, shipping home goods, furniture, couches, rugs, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of that is because of just the concepts around how well that product is viewed and and understood and seen online, but an even bigger part is goods being damaged and or parts missing when they're delivered to the home. So when I look at pure play getting into brick-and-mortar, I see that more along the lines as being an, a, a good excuse to expand a better a last mile delivery component and element, as opposed mm-hmm. to really enhancing the store experience. So I look at saved operational expenses and costs from a, a defect and return uh, rate as being the bigger driver for that, as well as reduced shipping costs, and then a better customer experience, not from an in store perspective, but just in how those goods are delivered in the condition that they're delivered in. And getting those goods even then ultimately assembled in the home for the user um, is where I see the bigger value coming from as opposed to um, creating a great in-store experience per se.
1: Thank you, John. I just Googled um, online retailers opening up flagships, and I found an article on chip chick, Chipchick. C H I P C H I C K. Unfortunately, instead of being an article I can read straight down, it's slide by slide by slide. You know, click next, click next with 15 ads, so I can't get through all of it. But they did use Apple as an example, and they used Thread Up, an online consignment shop for middle of the road brands like Michael Kors and Banana Republic. They've opened up stores in California and Texas last year, and they're planning 10 more by. The- the end of the year with long-term plans for 100. So just an example of that trend. Uh, thank you very much. Tom Otten, just a quick comment here. You say it's extremely difficult for marketplace operators to ensure customers have a frictionless experience post-purchase and that poor experiences after buying can cause a significant gap between customer satisfaction associated with customers marketplace customers and 1p customers can you just give me two sentences or three on what this means uh tom i think it's too important for us to skip it and then we'll john you get ready for your 60 seconds prediction go ahead tom
4: yeah absolutely so um With marketplaces, it's extremely difficult for some of these marketplace operators like uh, an Amazon or a Walmart or a Sears to successfully manage their partner network um, and Mm -hmm. ensure that the customers have a frictionless experience post-purchase with these partners. So um, customers, when they purchase, when they see an expected delivery date um, associated with their purchase, they expect that product to be delivered on that date, no exceptions. Um, they also expect to be able to, you know, return it in store, um, for example, with, with like a Walmart, or they expect to be able to um, quickly contact customer service from Walmart or from an Amazon to, to get that resolution if there is an issue. And that's something that marketplace operators are struggling with on a daily basis is because, because the, the way the marketplace um, channel is set up and is operated these individual partners have to actually facilitate the returns and customer service process post-purchase, as well as the marketplace operators having a, a really difficult time um, ensuring that those partners are meeting the customer expectations from a delivery and fulfillment perspective as well. So a lot of times these partners will not fulfill or, or meet the, the expected mm-hmm. delivery dates causing a poor customer experience, um, or they, they won't even add a, a tracking number to enable tracking for the customer, which yeah. creates another poor customer experience because then they call into the, the customer service line to, to ask where their order is, um, where it's at in, in the fulfillment journey. And um, a lot of times the marketplace operators um, who run these these different marketplaces can't answer those questions successfully because they don't have the tracking either and those systems aren't. Um, easily integrated. So yep. these are just some of the, the issues that, that cause the customer experience with marketplaces to be um, a little bit subpar and something that some of these marketplace operators are working really hard and, and investing a uh, ton of time and energy into trying to solve these issues to ensure that their customers have a frictionless experience, regardless of what channel they're they're shopping with, whether it be their marketplace, their dropship network, or their, their 1P owned network as well
1: thank you very much Tom quick sidebar I ordered something for a friend in New York who uh, doesn't have a doorman or has a mailbox but it's in a lobby and things get left at the door and the question is anyway I ordered something for him as a favor and had it delivered to him it was a week ago it's a small package you know who the retailer is the big A they said sent me a tracking number and they said it'll be delivered sometime between this Wednesday and next Monday it's been two weeks it's being shipped by the post office the package probably weighs four ounces. There is no clue where it is and why it hasn't been delivered yet. Talk about frustration post-purchase, Tom. You think? hmm. There's no yep. reason it yep, shouldn't exactly. have been delivered within three days. That's
4: actually more common than, than a lot of people uh, realize is that these marketplaces really struggle with with these pers- post-purchase I, I, customer I experiences see it. and ensuring that they, they get all yep. of that.
1: And you know what? I've got 30 seconds each for prediction, so make it fast. Let's say three sentences each. Keep it tight, John McCoy, SAP Hybris. What do you predict will be the future, let's say, between 2020 (laughs) and 2025 for retail reality? Go ahead, John. It's yours. 30 seconds.
2: Uh, AI will continue to grow, will become more effective and and more valuable over time. However, um, as the world continues to get smaller um, and Goods are continually commoditized. Those that understand how to be flexible and adaptable by catering to their niche, by providing value to the niche and their core customers are the ones that will survive. Everyone else will become a dinosaur. Go extinct.
1: Oh, okay. There we go. Dinosaur, the D word. And let's go to April Tomlin. What do you think, April?
3: Yeah, retailers are going to start figuring out how to personalize and personalize better. Um, and leverage that technology to deliver a, a seamless customer experience. Um, and uh, I agree with John. Um, the diners, the dinosaurs, will go away, and there'll be new, new reemerged uh, retailers that are going to start to to make things really exciting for for folks out there.
1: I like the idea of excitement, and I like the idea of new emerging. And I still like going in a retail store. And I actually did a lot of retail therapy last weekend, Saturday and Sunday, at TJ Maxx. It's an adventure. It's a, you, every aisle you turn down, you discover something you didn't know you needed that suddenly you do. <laughs> two two yep. carloads. Lucky I have a sports car with a very small trunk. Otherwise, it could have been very, <laughs> very, very disastrous for me. But I love that experience. It's always a, a, just a, a diversion. You go in there, you don't know what you're going to find and what you're going to fall <laughs> in love with. That's to, that to me is a, a premium retail experience. Tom Hott and I save 30 seconds for you. They're all yours. Go, predictions.
4: Um, I think retailers are going to continue to work on their store footprint um, and optimize that to, to the appropriate levels, um, whether that be reduction or um, uh, continued expansion. Um, so I think getting that to that optimized level is something that's, that's never um, an end point, but rather a continuous journey where they continue to um, fluctuate a little bit as much as possible to, to reach that appropriate store footprint and then leverage their e-commerce website and e-commerce operations to facilitate um, a a best-in-class customer experience, leveraging those stores as an an asset or a resource to to, um, support that customer experience online.
1: Thank you very much. I want to thank our three panelists for your passion, your insights, your deep experience. Really appreciate it. What a panel. John McCoy, April Tomlin, Tom Otten, all at SAP Hybris now but all having very interesting very deep experiences in retail for many many years and they're all only 12 years old, I'm only kidding well they're all very young, let's leave it that way I want to do a shout out to Jörg <laughs> customers at SAP, Jörg you really outdid yourself, put together a great panel and a shout out also to two others at SAP who share the responsibility for this series, that is uh, we've got Don Gordon and Michelle Schuf. so thank you all for taking charge of this series about consumer industries. And a shout out, of course, to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire. We got to get off right now. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Is a designer seatbelt. One day we'll have those. There's a business idea, April Tomlin. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like John, just like April, just like Tom. Signing off. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game in Consumer Industries, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.